Hey, 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 Erica here. Welcome to today's episode where we are going to be talking about yoga. <laughs> to give you a little bit of background about how I fell into yoga, well, I was introduced to yoga back in 2019 by a lady I met on a plane. So I didn't begin my yoga practices until shortly after the pandemic hit. I fell into dysthemia during that time and remembered that I had not considered using that tool. And dysthemia is actually a form of depression that is less severe in symptoms than a major depressive disorder, but as the name suggests, it lasts for a longer time. Many people with a dysthemia diagnosis describe having been depressed for as long as they can remember, or they feel as if they go in and out of depression most of the time. An individual with dysthemia may experience the following symptoms. Um, so a low and irritable mood, feeling less pleasure in daily activities, experiencing a lack of energy, feelings of not being motivated for tasks, feeling disengaged from life, appetite and weight may increase or decrease rapidly. Um, they may be experiencing problems with sleeping, such as sleeping too much or too little, or experiencing bad quality of sleep. The person may feel continuously indecisive or pessimistic, and a poor self-image is also often associated with dysthemia. Studies show that temperament, environmental factors, and genetic and physiological factors should be considered in the development of dysthemia. And because dysthemia generally has an early onset, childhood factors have been studied. Results from such studies have revealed that childhood and other risk factors for dysthemia may include parental loss or separation, abuse or neglect, other mental health problems such as anxiety, divorce or illness in the family, experiencing a chronic medical illness or chronic social or academic difficulties. Initially, I found yoga interesting purely for the physical benefits of it and was captivated by it. But as I began to discover the deeper aspects of the practice, I have since made it one of my missions to bring the joy of yoga to as many people as possible. I truly believe that yoga can benefit every sphere of life and has something valuable to offer everybody. Some tips when incorporating yoga into a depressed state is to aim to excite 
the nervous system in a compassionate and supported way. And the aim is not to shock the body, but rather to ease it from a state of hypoarousal to increased energy. You may want to begin with a gentle start. Um, You want to start the practice mindfully by doing a body scan and becoming aware of your natural breathing pattern. Choose a starting position that can be supported by props. You want to be incorporating energizing poses. Energizing asana, as they are called, are often those that increase the heart rate. We include these postures with caution and without any individual contraindications. These postures can include cardio-based sequences or any asana where one reaches their arms overhead. Energizing pranayama or breathing practices can be used to gently heed the system. So more on pranayama to come in future episodes. If you are ready, here are five simple yoga exercises to try right now. Number one, the Kapalabhati practice. In the Kapalabhati practice, inhale naturally through your nose. Exhale forcefully through your nose while snapping your belly back. Number two, the Ujjayi practice. In the Ujjayi practice, inhale naturally through your nose. Exhale through the nose while creating a gentle restriction in the back of your throat. It should sound like this. Try to make a wave-like sound with your exhalation. Number three, the Agnizara practice. Now, for this practice, Agnizara, remember to perform this standing. Inhale naturally. Exhale, tucking the tailbone and squeeze your belly button up towards the ribs. We are looking for a deep abdominal connection here. Number four, the lion's breath. For this next practice, the lion's breath, inhale through your nose. Exhale as you open your mouth and exhale loudly while making a ha sound, the lion's roar. It should sound like this. For this final practice, the child's pose or balasana, we start in a seated or supported position. Draw your big toes together and widen your knees slightly 
place a pillow or bolster on your heels and bring your hips back to connect with your heels or the pillow. Drop your torso down between your ties. Since incorporating yoga into my daily life, I've experienced massive amounts of personal growth. This process of personal growth is forever present throughout life. Sometimes change is obvious, but for the most part, you look the same on the outside, while gradual, unnoticed changes are gestating inside of us. The journey of personal growth is not a simple one. And progression generally only happens when we step out of our comfort zones. It is often triggered by significant life events. And the journey is where we discover our fullest potential for a more satisfying and joyful life. For anyone to truly grow, various variables need to be in place. A person must be grounded in self-awareness, have a network of healthy relationships, or be surrounded by good vibes and have contact with or access to outer and inner wisdom. Usually being under pressure or surrounded by negative influences or bad vibes is not conducive to growth. Personal growth tends to happen when we learn effective and sustainable strategies for addressing our vulnerabilities or what we view as weakness, our shadow selves. We can see our vulnerabilities rather as a way to become connected with others, to grow stronger and empowered. We are energy. Energy is never static. And so there is no such thing as remaining motionless in life. From this viewpoint, it almost seems like a no-brainer that we commit to the process of growing in awareness and knowing who we are. It is only through this process that any sense of inner restlessness may begin to abate and we become more peaceful in striving and achieving higher states of consciousness. Yoga allows us to create this meaningful connection between our bodies and mind. An African proverb says that when there is no enemy within, the enemies outside can do you no harm. Self-awareness is one of the most important skills for success and personal growth. Being aware allows us to uncover any destructive thought patterns and unhealthy habits, as well as our shadow selves 
Research has proven that more self-aware people reap several benefits. It helps them increase creative achievement, boost their self-esteem, create better relationships at work, and improve their self-regulation. As we actively become more self-aware of what's holding us back, we can consciously create more room for positive, long-lasting change. As with anything in life, self-awareness is a habit that we learn to cultivate as we continue to practice it. With time, my intention is to create classes specific to the needs of my clients and to create an environment where they can explore their abilities and challenge themselves. It is proposed that there are maybe three levels of self-awareness that we move through. Level one, what am I doing? At any given moment in life, we may recognize that we are struggling. Maybe it's a relationship, a feeling of being unproductive, feeling lonely or uncertain. Maybe it's a high period of stress or your emotional well-being that is low. So often we simply want to avoid these feelings of discomfort and pain. We tend to avoid pain through distraction. And there's nothing wrong with distraction or some sort of diversion to keep us sane. The key is that we consider what choices we are making in our distractions and we need to know when we are checking out. If we become aware of this, we make sure we are in control of what distraction we choose and we can in fact plan it and moderate it. We don't need to binge on the distraction. We also don't need to judge ourselves for the distractions that we do indulge in. The key is simply to be aware of them and why we use them. This is the first level of self-awareness, a simple understanding of where your mind goes and when. We need to be aware of the paths our minds take before we can begin to question why it takes those paths and whether those paths are helpful or destructive. Level two, what am I feeling? The downside of becoming aware of distraction is that we may realize just how much emotion we've been avoiding for all that time. For many, this is one of the first and most major barriers to yoga and meditating. When you are practicing to train your mind to become less distracted and more focused on your immediate experience, you may find yourself overwhelmed by all of the feelings you've been bottling up forever. This second level of self-awareness is where you begin to move past what you are doing on a day-to-day basis and start to discover how you actually feel about what you are doing and what is going on in your life. 
we quite often find that we've been hiding these feelings from ourselves for years. It can be a level of some real discomfort, all those emotions we've spent time avoiding. Going back through these emotions and allowing them to take place is something that requires a lot of focus and a lot of effort. Emotions are powerful, so suddenly opening up to them can feel profound and life-changing. There may even be a period of wallowing in your feelings. The danger in this level is to think that by feeling and addressing our emotions, we have brought a greater spirituality or consciousness. Can you recall emotions are simply responses to thoughts and we are not our thoughts similarly opening this channel up can lead to a never-ending spiral of looking inside yourself and self-questioning peeling back the layers upon layers can even generate more anxiety stress and self-judgment part of developing a strong sense of emotional intelligence is being able to discern which emotions you experience are important to act on and which emotions should be acknowledged and felt and nothing more. Level three, what are my blind spots? Who is my shadow self? The experience of seeing yourself in a new way of experiencing an unexpected big emotion may suggest that a portion of our thoughts, arguments, and actions are merely reflections of whatever we are feeling in that one moment. We may like to think of ourselves as independent thinkers who reason based on facts and evidence, but the truth is that we spend far too much time being led by our brains, justifying and explaining rather than our hearts and inner wisdom. We know, though, that our brains and minds are flawed, and therefore much can go wrong or be hidden when we allow them to lead. The bottom line is, when we know our weaknesses, they stop being weaknesses. Otherwise, we become enslaved to our mind's faulty mechanisms. And it is important to keep raising your awareness about your blind spots and your patterns. So, here are 10 ways to raise your self-awareness. 1. Practice mindfulness. An important aspect of course is building a regular meditation practice. It is key to improving self-awareness as you focus solely on your breathing and you become aware of how your mind wanders, you get better at snapping out of distraction. Two, practice self-evaluation and reflection. Keep a journal whatever format it takes, writing, drawing, or expressing symbols of our feelings and thoughts is a great tool for personal development. 
It is a way of forcing you to focus your mind and get clear about exactly what it is you're thinking and feeling. You can reflect on patterns you notice, times when you have felt strong and successful or the opposite, and then you can set intentions. In doing so, we declutter our minds and allow ourselves to engage in what psychologists refer to as metacognition, a fancy term for becoming more aware of our thoughts. Three, the three why exercise. Before taking action, ask yourself why. Follow up your response with another why, and then a third. If you can find three good reasons to pursue something, then there should be a greater level of clarity and confidence when you choose to take action. In being self-aware, we know our motives and can determine whether they're in line with purpose. Four, say no to yourself. This idea is about putting off actions or responses and delaying gratification. It is challenging and requires practice because there are plenty of daily temptations and it is so easy to fall back on our chosen distractions. We have to consciously set our intention to say no. Five, breathe before you act. An add-on to this last tip is to recognize where we tend to respond with knee-jerk reactions, which is easy to do when living on autopilot. Being self-aware means being able to assess situations objectively and rationally and then acting with intentional thought. So take a deep breath before you act, especially when you notice you are being triggered. Six, know your strengths and weaknesses. Understanding yourself from both sides helps you build a stronger sense of self, an idea as to where you may need to look out for blind spots. Number seven, be accountable. It is also important to be accountable for your flaws. Nobody's perfect. Self-acceptance and maybe even improvement only happens once you recognize and acknowledge a flaw. Create a habit of acknowledging your mistakes rather than making excuses. Eight, monitor your inner critic. Take stock of that nonstop commentary in your head. We know this can lead us into emotional down spirals. So reflect on your responses and the feedback loop you've been playing. Always strive to balance your inner critic with self-compassion. Nine, play devil's advocate. Have a go at taking an opposing view to your own. This can help you to look at your assumptions and beliefs differently. See how your views hold up when they're challenged. This is a good brain workout as it stimulates new neural connections. 10. 
get honest feedback from others. We all have blind spots in our thinking patterns and behaviors. Others can provide a different perspective than the possibly one-dimensional views you might hold. Be warned though that this can be painful and so it's important to only ask people who you trust to tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear in a loving manner. It's important to understand that yoga and meditation can do more than just help us feel relaxed in the moment. Yoga helps balance the autonomic nervous system, which makes your brain work better. And evidence keeps stacking up that yoga is a boon for both physical and mental health conditions. A small study from Boston University found that Taking yoga classes twice a week may help ease depression, thanks in part to deep breathing. That yoga seems to be effective is good news for people struggling with depression. Lead author Chris Streeter, Associate Professor of Psychiatry and Neurology at Boston University School of Medicine, says that the practice has far fewer side effects and potential drug interactions than mood-altering medications. The most common complaint reported in the study was a small one, that is, temporary muscle soreness, and one participant experienced distressing thoughts while practicing breathing exercises at home. Some people who haven't responded well to traditional treatments might do well with yoga because unlike antidepressant drugs, yoga and deep breathing target the autonomic nervous system, Streeter says. If your autonomic nervous system is balanced out, then the rest of the brain works better. Research shows that 40% of people on antidepressants do not recover fully from depression, which puts them at risk for a relapse. Instead of adding another drug, I would argue that yoga is another thing that you can add to the treatment regimen that might help. Yoga helps with anxiety as well. Generalized anxiety disorder is characterized by persistent and excessive worry about several different things, mostly pertaining to one's life. Individuals who suffer from anxiety find it very difficult to control their worry, and they may anticipate disaster and be overly concerned about money, health, family, work, or other issues They may worry much more than seems to be warranted about actual events or may expect the worst, even when there is no apparent reason for concern. Anxiety affects approximately 6.8 million adults or 3.1% of the American population every year, with females being more likely to be affected Although the exact causes of anxiety are unclear, there is evidence that biological factors, family background, and life experiences, in particular stressful ones, may play a role. 
All anxiety disorders are related to difficulty with tolerating uncertainty and therefore many people with anxiety try to plan or control situations to a greater extent than the rest of the population. People who suffer from anxiety may present with the following symptoms daily. Feeling nervous, irritable, or on edge. Having a sense of impending danger, panic, or doom. Having an increased heart rate. Breathing rapidly, sweating, and or trembling. Feeling weak or tired. Having difficulty with concentrating having trouble sleeping, experiencing gastrointestinal symptoms. Now, even though anxiety disorders are treatable and several types of therapy may help the individual to think differently about their anxieties and avoidance behaviors, cognitive behavior therapy, CBT, mindfulness-based approaches, and Acceptance and commitment therapy have all been proven to be successful in treating generalized anxiety disorders. Oftentimes, because of the personal and physiological suffering of the individual over the long term, medication is prescribed together with psychotherapy. Relaxation techniques, meditation, yoga, exercise, and Other alternative treatments may also become part of a treatment plan to incorporate into the individual's lifestyle. Yin yoga is the perfect tool to calm the nervous system and still the mind, two things that are integral in assisting with the symptoms of anxiety. In this type of yoga flow, we aim to remove the body from its state of hyperarousal. Some tips for this type of yoga is to not push through discomfort. While we do aim to stretch the body, we should never force ourselves into a posture. This is the same for active or passive asana. Avoid heated or high energy practices. As always, These are general guidelines and not set in stone. However, many people with anxiety find that high-intensity classes increase the heart and breathing rates to uncomfortable levels. Breathe consistently. One of the first signs of pushing ourselves too hard is labored or difficult breathing and holding our breath. For this reason, avoid breath retention practices unless you have experience with them and are comfortable. Calming Pranayama These breathing patterns are often already present in those with anxiety, so we aim to replace those patterns with something which activates the parasympathetic nervous system.
Here are five simple yoga exercises to try right now. Number one, the Nadi Shodana. In this practice, the Nadi Shodana, you want to place the middle and pointer fingers of your right hand on the middle of your forehead. Your right thumb and ring finger will be closing off the right and left nostrils respectively. Close your right nostril with your thumb. Inhale through your left nostril. Close your left nostril with your ring finger. Exhale through your right nostril. Inhale through your right nostril. Exhale through your left nostril. In this next practice, the Satali, curl your tongue, bringing the sides together. Stick your tongue out slightly. Breathe in naturally through your tongue. Close your mouth and breathe out through your nose. In this next one, the Baramari, place your hands on your face with one thumb over each ear, the index fingers lightly touching the inner corners of your eyes, the middle fingers on the sides of the nose, the ring fingers above the lips, and the pinkies just below. The connections between your fingers and face should be very light, especially in the corners of your eyes. Inhale naturally. Exhale, making a low humming or buzzing sound while keeping your mouth closed. For our next practice, the hero pose or virasana, start in a kneeling seat with your hips and heels connected. We see the unshakable trust mudra. Interlace your fingers up to the webbing and leave your thumbs pointing up. Let your hands settle in your lap and close your eyes. This mudra represents trust in yourself. In this instant, the trust to know your own body and what it needs. The cat-cow pose is a widely known pose in the yoga community. Here, you want to move to a four-point kneeling. Inhale to prepare. Exhale, round your spine and gently tuck your tailbone. Cat pose. Inhale to move through your neutral four-point kneeling and begin to arch the back while looking forward. Think of threading your collarbones through and finding breath across your chest. Cow pose.
As we continue on this route of self-discovery, we may often hit bumps in the road. Those moments where we do something seemingly out of character or perhaps we discover a part of ourselves we don't like to admit to and we would rather not see about ourselves. According to psychoanalyst Dr. Ken Isold, it is all too easy to discard information that will cause acute emotional discomfort. So when this happens, we may choose to try and protect ourselves or to deny it, whether we are aware of it or not. Whatever the self is, it doesn't like to be threatened. Here are some challenges for you to embark on as we near the end of this episode. Choose three or four ways to increase self-awareness and then try them out. Make some notes in your journal. Take time to analyze and assimilate all of the information you've heard today regarding the influence of yoga on anxiety and depression. If you made it to the end of this episode, congratulations. I hope you enjoyed the insight into a topic that you may not have expected would be so intertwined with yoga. In future episodes, we will be covering more on mindfulness, yoga, and alternative practices where we explore spiritual and religious teachings to broaden our minds. I hope to see you all there. Until later. Thank you.